Charting Toward Intimacy covers mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Charting Toward Intimacy, where we're expanding the conversation around Catholic sexuality. I'm Ellen. And I'm Kathleen. Welcome to the show. All right. Welcome back to another Charting Toward Intimacy episode. We do not have Kathleen with us. Uh, We have Morgan with us. I'm very excited that Morgan is here. We are going to be talking about basically like the feeling of not being able to break the rules when it comes to NFP um, and just kind of like what's behind that feeling. Also, some things to kind of think about if you like feel like you're stuck. Um, in that feeling. But before we jump into the episode, um, we always answer a listener question. We have an open question box. You can submit questions at any time. Um, and we will answer one at the beginning of every episode. At the end of the month, I take all of the questions that have been submitted and I record a more in-depth Q&A video. And that is available in the exclusive Charting Toward Intimacy community, which you can join for only $5 a month. Uh, a link to that is in the show notes. A link to the open question boxes in the show notes. Um, the question for this week is, is oral sex okay? And so there's, there's a little bit, there, there's some yes and no <laughs> to this question. Let's go with the, the no first because that's a little easier. Um, and then we'll talk about the yes. Oral stimulation of the male genitals to climax is not licit. And the reason for that is because The male orgasm is inherently connected to the procreative aspect of his biology, meaning that the orgasm and ejaculation happen at the same time they coincide. And so that means that his orgasm needs to happen during penetration when it has the ability to fulfill its procreative purpose. Now, if it was oral stimulation of the man's genitalia, like as part of foreplay, that is okay but not to climax. Um, And then on the woman's side, the woman's orgasm is actually separate from her procreative process. So it is okay that the woman's orgasm actually happen outside of penetration so long as it is within one full sexual act, Uh, meaning that maybe it happens right before penetration, maybe it happens right after it, but not say 20 minutes later after you've already started cleaning up. And the woman's like, oh, wait a second. Actually, I never orgasmed. Can we go do that? That would be a new sexual act. So oral stimulation of the female genitalia is um, absolutely licit. Um, there's no part of the body that is unkissable. Um, there's no part of the body that is untouchable. Um, and in fact, um, oral stimulation can be a very effective way to arouse the female body. Um, so it's something to maybe even consider if you haven't done it before and you have trouble becoming aroused enough. Um, but it's absolutely like morally licit so long as it's within that one complete sexual act. Whew, that was like a, that was a whole soapbox right there. <laughs> All right, Morgan, uh, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners? Yeah, I sure can. My name is Morgan and I used to be an elementary teacher. Now I'm a stay-at-home mom. And I have known Ellen for a very, very long yes. time. We went to we CCD together, or religious ed, I guess is probably what, what they call it now. What does CCD even stand for? I don't know. I don't think anyone knows. <laughs> Something like about catechism. CCD classes. Let me Google like, it. We have What the does internet. that even stand for? What does CCD stand for? Morgan and I have known each other since probably, what, maybe like third or fourth grade, probably? Yeah. Like, yeah. 
CCD stands for the Confraternity of Christian Doctrine. Oh, wow. Okay. I wouldn't have guessed that. No. I would have lost that game. I figured one of the C's was catechism. I thought so too. How oh, embarrassing. Well. Anyways, um, yeah, Ellen and I went through CCD together. We did BBS together. Oh, yeah. We walked to school together. Um, I was and in her all wedding. The drama, all the drama that comes with like high school girls walking to school together. Fabulous stuff, you guys. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you go, you, ebbs, friendships ebb and flow. Oh, they but, do. They ebb and but, flow. But, and people mature. I am very close with Ellen still, and I'm very close with the other girl that we walked to school with. <laughs> Even and, though sometimes we wouldn't speak. <laughs> that's just part of being ladies. It's fine. I think so. Yeah. Who it's knows fine. where we were at in our cycles at that time? You know, I think if we had known those kinds of things, if we had known about the cycle when we were in high school, we might have been able to like communicate better with each other. Maybe uh, women get would get put in le- fewer stereotypical boxes of just being like irrationally angry or out of control with their emotions if we actually taught men and women about fertility. Wow. That's a topic for another time. Yeah, I was but. like, wow, maybe we should just change podcast episode topics <laughs> right now. Just it's kidding, we will We'll save it. Uh, okay, so this topic, fe- like kind of just this feeling of like, oh my gosh, I can't break the rules and, and that frustration with it. Uh, where this came from, and I see this pop up in like the NFP Facebook groups on like a regular basis, not like all the time, but I just like, I've been in the groups for several years now and I've seen it like maybe twice a year for the past three years. Like, is someone will post, oh my gosh, it's so frustrating because I can't even just break the rules a little bit because I'll just get pregnant. And honestly, I want to just respond to that. Like, uh, well, yes, the, the rules for avoiding pregnancy are there because that's what research has shown us defines that fertile window. So if you break the rules, yeah, you can pretty much expect to get pregnant. Like that's, that's how fertility is supposed to work. (laughs) And I was talking with someone the other day and they're saying that they were nervous about their ability to maybe like follow the rules or get into the protocol or um, get into consistency. And I said, just point blank, there is no method of avoiding pregnancy that doesn't require you to follow some type of protocol to a T. If you're on a birth control pill and you don't take it that day, like you've swung things off. Mm-hmm. If you take it the wrong time of day, you've swung things off. If you're, you know, not using a condom like the right way or in the right time, like everything requires a protocol. And this is just another thing to get used to. And like, definitely there's parts of the NFP protocol that are going to be more restrictive on whether or not you can come together at certain times, depending on what your aim is. Um, but you're not going to find a, a path to avoid pregnancy that doesn't require some kind of, of mindfulness and some kind of consistency. Very true. Very true. I think like something I want to talk about is like what's what's underlying this complaint of like, oh my gosh, I can't even just I can't even just break the rules by one day and like I just end up pregnant. What's underlying it is a frustration with the fact that we are fertile and that is that's a gift of the female body and and a gift of the male body right the male body is also fertile um but we like our fertility is a gift but society 
has just been hammering it that it's a burden for decades now. And like Morgan, like you and I, I mean, we grew up, we grew up in the same town. Like we went to the same schools. Like we, we had very much the same, like we felt this in our generation. Like this is what we've been taught. I mean, like even our parents kind of had this like, oh, fertility is kind of just this burden. Yeah. And beyond that too, it's, it, your fertility is something you should be afraid of. You should avoid mm-hmm. it at all costs. You should put up as many barriers as you can because God forbid you get pregnant. It was like the scariest thing in the world. And definitely like there are situations where women get pregnant and maybe for medical reasons, it's scary or maybe for social reasons or what have you. But fertility in general is not a scary, bad thing. And I feel like in our society, especially right now, everyone is just terrified of, being locked down by a child or getting pregnant. And we could talk about all the, the social reasons that probably <laughs> come into that. But, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's like a frustration with your own fertility, I think is definitely part of it. Yeah. And it's like, yes, if you're, if you're in that situation where you're like, oh my gosh, I only broke the rules by like one day and I, and we got pregnant, like I got pregnant. How? Like, it's okay to be like, frustrated like it's it's like your emotions are fine yeah like we're not trying to like say that you're wrong for feeling exasperated by an unplanned pregnancy or or anything like that but like your body performed the way that it's designed to perform yeah like we that that's actually like a very good thing that your body got pregnant from intercourse during the fertile window. Like that means yeah, that you're very healthy. Like praise the Lord, right? But like, yeah. yes, we also still recognize like there's there's difficult situations and like it's it's okay if things are hard, but don't blame your body for working the way it's designed to work. Like yeah. there's something else at play here, right? There's yeah. there's a frustration with needing to abstain. Um, yeah. There's maybe a you know, a, a passion in the moment that kind of overruled a previously discerned decision to avoid pregnancy, right? There's something else at play. It's not your body's fault that you got pregnant. Sure. And I think sometimes it's just coming from a misalignment of what do I believe and why am I choosing to abstain and and what? how do I feel about that? Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's really easy <laughs> at different parts of your cycle to be like, you know what, we're, we're abstaining, we're not getting pregnant. And then at different times to feel completely differently. And it's not a bad thing month to month to check in with your spouse about what your goals are and why. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you set a marker for yourself of, oh, I don't want to get pregnant for this much time. And things change. The Lord mm-hmm. shifts things in our hearts for a reason. I don't think that feeling, you know, passion for your spouse in the moment or um, having a change of heart or starting to feel these frustrations is necessarily a bad thing. Like be paying attention to that in prayer. What is God calling your family to? And then have a conversation about it instead of just stewing in this irritation. Let it push you to a deeper understanding of what God is calling your family to. Right, right. And Kathleen says this often on the podcast, like sometimes 
your marriage needs that intimacy more than you need to not get pregnant. And so like, you know, if, if in the moment you're like, yeah, actually this, this is something that I really want. This is something my husband really wants. And this is something that like, that maybe we really need. Right. I think what's just really important is to recognize that like, okay, yeah, we are having intercourse within the fertile window. And that means that there's a definite chance of pregnancy. And so I, I think just sometimes we we forget that. Yeah. Like, and, and I know that's very simple, but it's very easy to forget in the moment. Because yeah. then what happens? Okay, so you have sex in the fertile window. Now you have roughly 14 days of crippling anxiety. <laughs> because... And some real come to Jesus prayers. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think that's part of why it's so important to have these conversations, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of just straight up acting on impulse or straight up, you know, going a different direction than you may have planned, really being communicative and making sure that this is something we both agree on, the consequences, whatever they might be, Mm -hmm. because you don't want to finish coming together and then feel anxious. Right. You don't want to finish coming together and feel resentful. You don't want to finish coming together and feel like, like maybe you weren't in line or maybe one of you felt differently. You really want to make sure that this is something that we're agreeing upon together in the same way that you would if you were intentionally like going out to get pregnant. Right. That's so important because this can turn from, oh, we took a, a moment of of faith and choosing to be together into something very different and, and feelings that might be more problematic than it was worth in the moment. So really making sure that you're thinking about that and praying about that together and then landing on those consequences, whatever they are it, as a unit, instead of it ever becoming a, well, I felt this way because you made me feel this way. Nope. None of that. Right. And not turning into a well, you're the one who initiated and now I'm pregnant. So like, this is all your fault. Like we, we really should not have these things. Like these are, these are decisions you're making together as a couple. Um, takes two to tango, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, this can definitely be an opportunity for, for growth and for faith. And like, I know that sometimes those of us who are perfectionists, (laughs) <laughs> feel like when we break protocol, we're somehow doing something sinful or illegal. None of those things are true. You and your spouse are making these rules together. You don't have to follow an NFP protocol at all. No, nope. you can just let it ride. You can do so, whatever you want. You're married. You're, you're well. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Within but, reason, go listen to the Alyssa and Illicit yeah. Acts episodes. That yeah. But you, you coming together with your spouse even if it's breaking protocol, is not a bad thing. It's just a decision that you make together. Absolutely. Um, and, and sometimes that's a decision you make. And sometimes you take that moment to say, okay, how else can we come and be intimate with one another? How else can we love one another? How else can I serve you in this moment so that we can continue forward with this trying to avoid pathway that we're on? Communication is all about communication. It, it always absolutely is. is. Well, and I think I just want to linger for a little bit longer on what you said about like breaking the rules is not 
it's not actually breaking any rules. Like, yeah, you know, we talk about the the rules of NFP because they are the rules to follow to avoid pregnancy. I like the term protocol a lot. Yeah. Um, I like to use that term because, you know, if you're breaking protocol, right, it doesn't feel like you're breaking rules. Sure. Um, so I do like I like that word. Not that it changes anything. I mean, it's still the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like you and your spouse are allowed to have sex at any time that you want to, regardless of if you told your instructor that you're trying to avoid pregnancy. Yeah. I mean, I had clients one time like told me they're pregnant and I kind of like I just like paused for a second because I was like. I knew that they had told me they were trying to avoid pregnancy and I hadn't seen their charts that month. And that's why they didn't send them to me because they changed their mind and they were like afraid to tell me that they changed their mind. And I'm like, this is not, I am not making any rules for you. I am not. (laughs) And it's by the the way, if Ellen is your coach, Ellen is my coach too. And I, I text her every other month of like a broke code protocol, expect a new baby. Like, these are not people who are judging you. These are people who are probably excited for you. Honestly, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. When I found about, out about Morgan's pregnancy, do you remember what the text I sent you was? I was no. like, you be a great mother. Yeah. I was like, I'm so stressed out. And she's like, welcome to the club, baby. <laughs> You're in. No, but it's like. It's not. It, yeah, I think we we like harbor this feeling and and probably I mean, it might just be people like us, Morgan, who are kind of like rule followers, you know, perfectionists. Like we harbor this feeling of like, gosh, I'm breaking the rules. It's going to happen. I'm such a rule follower. Like I'm so black and white. Like I honestly sometimes yeah. I look at people who like broke protocol and I'm like, I mean, if you're trying to avoid pregnancy, like, why'd you do that? Right. But yeah. like, that's just how my brain works. I yeah. I can't possibly like, I'm very black and white about that. If I'm trying to avoid pregnancy, like, well, no, like the rule says one more day. You know what? It just occurred to me that like, I don't even know if I've ever thought about this is like, I wonder if those feelings of like anxiety about like breaking the rules in terms of like NFP protocol are like somehow linked to those feelings of anxiety that we may or may not have had before we got married about like, is this okay? Is this not okay? Mm. And like maybe feeling a little bit like sex was dirty or wrong. Like, I wonder if somehow there's a bridge. Oh, I, yeah. That feels very I mean, possible. That Absolutely. Because there's so much in that kind of like purity culture of like all these rules around sex and yeah. sex is very car- compartmentalized into one very specific thing and then like then you get married and it's like oh yeah and well now it's on the table and like actually you have to be good at it immediately Um, that's for a totally other podcast episode but you like yeah there's still this feeling of like rules around it and i i would agree it's like you start using nfp and it's like oh sex still has rules around it very very strict rules right and i I would totally agree that so that a lot of purity culture has influenced how we look at the protocol of NFP. Because here's the thing is our like society is very black and white about whether you're trying to achieve pregnancy or you're trying to avoid pregnancy. Like you can't. People don't understand if you're just like we're like, who knows? People don't understand what that means at all. 
And but like, I meet so many couples who are just saying, like, I'm just open to life. Yeah. Beautiful. Love that. Just if it happens, it happens. If not, great. Like, <laughs> like we're just along for the ride and we're going to see what happens. Yeah. Right. And it's like, you know, so we're maybe not necessarily trying on the most fertile days. Yeah. Or maybe we're just like kind of threw the charts out and we're just like not really even looking at them. Yeah. Um, or, you know, or it's kind of like, well, I'm willing to, you know, maybe like peak plus two instead of like yeah. peak plus three or peak plus four. Right. Yeah. Or oh. like Marquette, you know, I'm willing to go on like the first low. Like, yeah, you know, there, and, and that's okay. Right. You're not doing anything wrong if you're choosing and saying like, yeah, we, we're fine with, you know, opening up a little bit lower of a percentage of efficacy for avoiding pregnancy. Like this yeah. is, that's what we're, we're thinking. Yeah. That was, that was another thing that, that we were talking about before is like risk assessment Yeah, is there's a different risk that you're taking on peak plus one versus like seven days before, you know, you might ovulate like, or like, sure. like on day seven of your cycle, like those are just very different risks. And it's okay to say, you know what? Like we are open to life. If God blesses us with another child, that is what it is, which is how you should be. Even if you're trying to avoid, you should have that mindset. Openness to life. (laughs) Yeah. And like loosening, loosening up the gears a little bit and saying, okay, maybe a little bit on this end or this end of my, of my fertile window, maybe we could be open to that. Also, another thing I was thinking of just now is that that like fear, that anxiety, or maybe um, like related to purity culture in terms of like treating your abstinent period while you're married, like your abstinent period before marriage, because you don't know what that abstinent period should look like during marriage. Because I think it's so hard to figure out like, what can we do together that's not going to cross the line, that's not going to make you uncomfortable, that's not going to push you into lustful thoughts but that's also bringing us together because that list could look different than it did before marriage. Absolutely. But trying to figure out that gray area is really hard. Yeah. I'm just here to say it's difficult. Wow. I mean, you're just opening up a whole area of, of things I haven't really thought about, but like, you know, we're taught very clearly how to abstain premaritally. Like basically just don't do anything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and there's very clear, like, lines of, of what is, you know, what is considered chaste premaritally, right? Um, yeah. But within marriage, there's a very different level of things. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about certain kinds of, of making out, like, would not be appropriate premaritally. But or would be really bringing on lustful thoughts or a lot of, like, like friction that doesn't need to be there or just makes the abstinence period harder than it needs to be. Mm -hmm. But figuring out that minutia is a lot of like trial and error and conversation that I think sometimes it's easier to just be like, yep, we're roomies for the next two weeks, but that's a problem too. Yeah. So, so figuring that out, I think can add to that frustration. Yeah. That's what I think. I think something, and this was actually, this was something, this is in the catechism, but we mentioned it just a few episodes ago. Mixed motives should not stop you from acting. Give me more. Yeah. 
<laughs> Morgan's like, I need more letters. <laughs> so if you're not sure of the motivation for, let's say, like some kind of like heavy making out, if you're like, well, I don't know, you know, we're we're trying to avoid pregnancy. We're abstaining right now in the fertile window. Am I... I I don't know if I'm making out just because I want some kind of like sexual release in some way, or am I making out in order to kind of continue to be united to my husband um, because we love each other. And this is, this is a physical way to unite, right? There's a lot of like head space going in, you know, head space being taken up by thoughts there, but mixed motives should not stop you from acting. And we know that we have the grace of confession If we do act and go, oh, my gosh, that was we should not have done that. Yeah. And and that's okay because like if you if you do cross a line, we have the sacrament of confession. The most important thing wasn't to sin. Right. And And the most important thing from that is once you establish that line, don't go crossing it again. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think something that my husband and I rule by a lot in our marriage that has done us a lot of favors is always assuming that the other person has your best intentions at heart, always Mm -hmm. assuming that they want good for you and that if they make a mistake, that it wasn't intentionally trying to harm you or harm Mm -hmm. your relationship. Mm -hmm. So in figuring out all this gray area, just having mercy for one another and open communication and a willingness to say, I'm sorry, that was incorrect of me. Or, you know what? I wish we wouldn't do that anymore. Or like this thing that we did, like, I wish that maybe we hadn't. Let's go to confession together. Mm -hmm. Chef's kiss. I think God really smiles on those conversations and like that mercy for one another. And even if in the moment it was a problem, it can lead to better things down the line of better communication and like a holier, stronger. Right. There is like some serious, serious spiritual jujitsu going on with like somehow after sin, once we have re-reconciled ourselves with God, we are like closer to him than previously before we'd sinned. And it's kind of like, but we're not supposed to sin. I don't know. But, But it's true. I mean, we truly become closer to God after reconciliation from sin, right? Like, you know, in the in the exaltet during um, the Easter Vigil Mass, they say, oh, happy fault of Adam, right? Oh, happy fault. Oh, happy original sin. What? Right. But yeah, but we wouldn't have had Christ. Yeah, we wouldn't have had the resurrection. Yeah. Without and, that happy fault right? <laughs> without original and, sin. Yeah. Um, so we're not saying like go sin, but I think we can we, we have to remember that God's mercy is super abundant, super abundant. And he wants us to grow closer to our spouse and therefore grow in holiness. We're going to mess up. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about the relationship you had with your spouse when you first got married versus now, it's so much better, but it's better because you had to sand down the edges. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You had to have those conversations. Like you had to confront things that one person or another was doing that was causing problems. And without those like little stumbling blocks, you wouldn't have this beautiful thing that you have now. It's true of your relationship with Christ. And ultimately your marriage is a three person game. Yeah. So all of those things are connected. 
And these times of frustration can be times for growth and they should be. And I think that's God's intention for, for all these, these hardships that we're dealing with. Absolutely. In the NFP game. Yeah. I think that's a great place to uh, just close out this episode. Sweet. Thank you so much, Morgan, for coming on. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening. If you are not already following us on Instagram, be sure to check us out at Charting Toward Intimacy. And if you listen to podcasts on a platform that gives you the option to rate or review, we'd love for you to do that because it helps us spread the word about the podcast. If you ever have questions, comments, or episode topic ideas, please reach out to us. We love to hear from you. You can reach out on Instagram or send us an email. Our email is in the show notes. Until next time. 